Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Talk Recorded live. Good morning, spiritual adventurers, my practitioners, my mighty companions. Hmm, it's good to connect with you today. Please give me just a moment as I uh, get situated online as well. Just give me one second. Sorry, I need a moment to... uh, Align myself. I just got a message and I sent out the wrong <coughs> class time to the practice ones. And so everyone's like, why is class early today? So I had to amend all that because Lord knows that would have been insanity. Okay. So let's uh, take roll now. So I see that Jen O'Brien is on the call. Jen, how are you? Good, thank you. Good, beautiful, and uh, ooh, people, a couple people hung up. Huh, there's only one other person on the call. Who else is here today? We have Jen, and who else is here with us? Soki's here. Hi, Soki. The other person that hung Morning. up just called back in. Wait, that's Martha, or... And is that Martha? Yes, sorry, I meant to put it unmute it. <laughs> you hung up. <laughs> yeah. All good. And uh I think I believe Brandon has just dialed in. Hi, Brandon. Hi, I had a really weird connection the first time, so I had to jump back on. Okay. All good. All good. So we're just uh I don't know if Mark will be on the call today. I know he's traveling. And so we'll just uh, give L.E. a moment to call in. All right, well, let's begin by just anchoring in. We're going to do a five-minute silent meditation together today. And then we're also going to, uh, you know, do our opening blessing. I'm just going to send L.E. a quick message. Make sure she's... There we go. Okay, so let's just get situated. Sit comfortably, please, and make sure that your spine is totally erect, nice and straight spine. And when you are there and you have silenced and to the very best of your ability all surrounding sounds and distraction. You can
can take a deep breath in and out. And in and out. And let's just set the intention, the gentle intention to clear the mind, to quiet the mind. And in so doing, we consciously connect to God. So we're clearing the mind and connecting to spirit. And that's it. That's as simple as it is. And we can support ourselves in quieting the mind by focusing on develop, getting an anchor. And an anchor is something that we bring our attention back to when we recognize that our thoughts are drifting or we're focused on our thinking. And so the easiest anchor is a breath, the gentle breath by turning your attention back to your breathing or Some people use a mantra. Today, we're just going to practice using our breath. So I'm going to set the um, timer here for five minutes, gently closing our eyes and clearing our mind, and begin.
and taking a deep breath in, we declare this breath to be a breath of gratitude. And we are grateful, so grateful to be able to be here with one another, to take this time and devote it to the awakening of our conscious connection to perfect love. So let us offer up any blocks that might prevent us from being fully present today. Any judgments, opinions, any outside issues or work obligations or work commitments, I should say, family commitments, social commitments. Let us place that to the side on the altar just for the next hour and a half, two hours so that we may be fully present with each other in community, honoring the sacredness that is formed when two or more come together with a shared intention to experience a greater awareness of God's presence We open ourselves to receive exactly what is needed to best support us on our path today to help us align more consciously, more hmm, lovingly with our purpose here. And we dedicate all of the healing today everything that transpires today to anyone that feels alone or afraid or angry, sending ways of love and light, knowing that where they are, God is. We are grateful, we are thankful, and we let it be. And so it is. Amen. All right. So, oh, Mark on the call. Hey, Mark. And so is Ellie. Great. Everybody's here. Wonderful. Beautiful. Okay. So why practice forgiveness? Why is forgiveness important? Why is forgiveness important? I'm going to open up the group for five minutes and I'm going to uh, let you all discuss this. So, um, Brandon, your name starts with a B, so you'll go first. And uh, Brandon, why don't you facilitate the conversation? So five minutes, uh, I'm going to observe. Why is forgiveness important? Okay. What does it do for us? Go for it. Good morning, everyone. So, as we know, the topic is why is forgiveness important and what does it do for us? Um, if anyone would like to begin by sharing maybe something personal or even just something that we've learned from what we just read in the chapters of Radical Forgiveness, the floor is open. Sure, I'll I'll share. Ellie, just Ellie. Hi, everybody. Hi, Ellie. Um, 
forgiveness is important um, for your own, for, for me, for your own self growth, spiritual evolvement. Um, if you're stuck in some sort of resentment or anger towards someone, you, it's, you're really doing that to yourself because um, that person is is going to go on or be effect, not affected by your anger. Your anger is going to affect you. Your lack of um, when I think when you're angry, you hold resentment towards someone. There's a lack of love there, so mm-hmm. it's really a lacking um, of love within yourself. You're not loving yourself, and you're holding on to whatever you feel that person did to you. Really, right. with inside yourself, <clears throat> and it's and you from seeing the growth opportunity that is there, and why this happened. Um, and there really isn't. What well, if you go with radical forgiveness? There really is nothing to forgive because everything is perfect. Mm-hmm. Everything that happens to you, your soul uh, has a contract with that person to do that to for that experience to happen to help you to aid you to help within your involvement and spiritual growth. So if you can come from that perspective, it's beautiful. Mm-hmm. Awesome. Thank you. Martha, you were, you mentioned in your comments on Facebook that had you known or read Radical Forgiveness, things might be different. Do you mind talking about that a little bit for you? I was that was more like um, in regards to the whole ego thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, for some reason, this chapter was really weird for me. Like I couldn't get with it. Um, I think, like I said, I I've just gone past the whole blaming um, what goes and you know what happens in my life, making it someone else's issue. I've just really. No, it's all me. Um, so I don't, I don't just, I don't see the whole projection thing. Like I'm all over the place right now. That's how I was this week for some reason. Um, so that just means you're sorting it out. (laughs) That's totally good. Yeah. Um, so it's that, that, like well, because a couple of years ago, I I was still blaming. Oh, well, even when we started, I guess this program, I was still holding my dad hostage mm-hmm. <laughs> and blaming him for my misery and just the way the story was going, you know, that I was creating on in my mind. And so right. I'm just really not in that space anymore. And so, yeah. So I guess that's a great example. I just don't. I don't. I don't see what happens to me. I still get upset sometimes, and I don't like it. But I know that it's me. It's all about me, and so the work has to be done. I have to do the work. Right. And kind of what Ellie was saying, um, and kind of like a Course in Miracles principle, is that anything withheld in that situation, that relationship, um, whether it's love or forgiveness, is being withheld from me as well so you know forgiveness for me is you know sure it's about um that other person 
but it's important so that I can finally begin to stay open to what's coming because uh, being unforgiving literally closes us off and keeps us literally stuck. Like Ellie said, we just get stuck in one way, in one relationship pattern, in one um, mental thought that blocks us off from noticing expansive opportunities for ways that our life could deepen and get better, more brilliant. So, um, yeah, and thank you for sharing that. I think your lesson, you know, specifically with your father over the course of this course has been, you know, very helpful for all of us to see how something can actually change and change pretty quickly. Anyone else want to share about, you know, how forgiveness is really important for them? Or so I'm actually going to pause there because I want to honor my commitment to you guys for letting, having that be a five-minute conversation. And I want to tip my hat to Brandon for being an excellent facilitator. And um, I'd actually like to discuss on the spectrum of facilitation why Brandon was a good facilitator. <laughs> because, um, well, Mark, why don't you, Mark, you have a lot of facilitation experience. What did Brandon do really well in that five-minute conversation, holding that space in the, for that five minutes? Hey, uh, I'm here, but it's kind of loud behind me, so I'll just let me know if it's too distracting. Um, you know, Brandon did a really good job of like, opening the space. Um, really felt like there was a space for anyone to step into. Um, so instead of kind of like directing it, he really, really provided a space for people to step into. Um, and I I think also just reminding people, like, what is the topic? What are we talking about? Um, those are two things that a lot of people often forget to do, creating a space and then reminding what the intention of the space is. Yeah, exactly. Very good. And at the end, he then offered his own perspective but not saying that this is what it is, but he offered his own perspective. So he contributed to the conversation without hijacking the conversation. And so those were three really great things. He created space. He very simply reminded everybody what the conversation was, which kept the conversation on track. And then he added his own perspective from his own experience. Those are three great aspects, three great qualities of a really seasoned facilitator. So well done, Brandon. And also the conversation was great. It was really beautiful. This work, this act, um, you know, of course the miracle says that as the light of the world, our function is forgiveness. That's it. Plain and simple. It says pretty much our mission here in this lifetime is forgiveness. Forgiveness sets us free, period. Like Martha said, really clearly, really beautifully, and Ellie um, said this as well, it lets us take full responsibility. It is this, um, it's a tool that uh, we won't always have to use when we fulfill our purpose, when we awaken to our oneness with the divine, with God, then we no longer, there's no longer a need for forgiveness. In fact, the Course in Miracles says that forgiveness is part of the illusion, but it's part of an illusion that takes us towards 
you know, uh, freedom, towards the releasing of the chafers towards God. So it helps us, uh, it gets us to the space where we can begin to recognize the innocence of all, everyone's innocence. And we do that by taking full responsibility. So the readings this week, especially that on uh, stuff on projection, was really getting into how we um, uh, how we ju- when we're judging other people, we're keeping ourselves one imprisoned with them, <laughs> completely attached to them. It's like what uh, Jacob says: "Who are you taking to bed with you? Uh, know who you're taking to bed with you." Meaning, if you are upset at someone and you're going to bed and you're arguing with them in your mind, it's like being in bed with them. Who's, who's, uh, who's losing there? <laughs> like Elise said, too. Like, they're going to continue to live just live their lives. Like, what is your choice? What are you going to do? So forgiveness sets us free. It sets us free. And it supports us and not only seeing the innocence in other people, but in ourselves. And so, in order to do that, in order to free ourselves, remember, everything, every relationship has the potential to, 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 to wake us up. Every relationship. That's why we should treat every person as sacred. Everyone who comes before us, we should treat them as our most important relationship because they simply are. And value the experience as sacred as well. So it begins to wake you up to the opportunity around you, the beauty around you, the power in relating with other people, and the importance of purifying our energy field, and purifying our thoughts. That's how we do it. We purify the thoughts and then we purify everything. Everything gets purified. Um, Purification is a word that uh, I have discovered a lot of people have sort of of a trigger word because they, um, I've used that in counseling. And I remember someone said one time, like, are you going to, are you trying to brainwash me? And I said, no, honey, (laughs) I'm not. But it is, you know, cutting the cords to the material realm and aligning yourself with the spiritual. And what these books sort of offer as a, uh, you know, philosophical perspective is the spiritual is true reality. So it's allowing us to, we've said this many times, you know, to awaken to our true self. And forgiveness is the tool that gets us there. So this is why we're spending an entire module on forgiveness. And yet, if you consider the other work that we've done so far, it's all in alignment with the process of forgiveness. It's all in alignment with the process of forgiveness. So I'd like to open up the group for another five minutes just so you guys, oh, well, five to ten minutes, just to share any new insights that you've gathered or any 
uh, as a result of this material and these discussions and the work that we've been doing, the forgiveness letters and things like that. And we're going to do another forgiveness letter this week. But for the next 10 minutes, um, I'd like to just hear, like, have you, uh, has the practice of forgiveness, has forgiveness itself shifted in how you hold it at all? Do you have a new percep- perspective on forgiveness, new insights, anything that you'd like to share? How, how Has your life changed in any way since really contemplating um, radical forgiveness? And the floor is open. Um, I'll take that one. Uh, had a situation come up in the office between two employees who just kind of dislike each other and, you know, really activated around their activation and, uh, like, was really contemplating, like, okay, I just have to choose the most valuable one and let the other one go. You know, I don't, I can't have this, like, poisonous, feeling in on the team, you know, so somebody's going to have to go, and that was like my initial thought, but I felt really uncomfortable with that thought, and it was just really interesting to see how the lesson sort of became, uh, you know, sort of came to mind and is super applicable in this situation, and it seems like a really good opportunity for me to do a little spiritual counseling with these guys uh, with what I am learning and without it being, you know, in the context of spirituality, but being in the context of job coaching and uh, just finding the correlations between the lesson and, like, what's being presented in my life and uh, felt really comforted uh, with once I had the idea to use the radical forgiveness sort of lesson as a methodology for conflict resolution in the office. Yeah, I really love that. You know, um, a lot of uh, ministers are getting hired now to go uh, support shifts in corporate culture because they're really good community builders. But they, um, so, and one thing that they really focus on is you know, conflict uh, resolution and stuff like that. And how to pretty much apply spiritual principles without really calling them spiritual principles into situations like what you're talking about right now. So, Jennifer, let me ask you this. How would you guide them? How would you um, coach them or support them or counsel them uh, in creating resolution? Well, uh, I would like to uh, meet with them both. Uh, is very Christian. Hey, honey, you're, you got a lot of feedback going on on your line. Okay, I'm not so sure what's going on. Let's try it like this. Um, yeah, so one of the two, obviously I want to meet with them individually. Uh, one of the two of them is very Christian, so I feel like I can approach him from a spiritual perspective and uh, just sort of ask a lot of questions about what he believes uh, in terms of does he believe everything happens for a reason? Does he believe that, uh, does he believe, you know, what are his thoughts on forgiveness? What are his thoughts on, you know, just to kind of find out where he stands from and, and really take it from a spiritual perspective, asking him to contemplate 
the mirror effect because really, you know, the core of the problem is they both find the other person difficult to work with. So, you know, having having him, this one particular guy, contemplate, you know, the statement, I am difficult to work with. And then uh, the other guy doesn't have a spiritual root, so uh, I think the approach that I would take with him is to really explain to him that as a manager, I'm really limited in what is possible. You know, I can't coach people to like each other. I can't force people to work in in a way that's going to accommodate another employee. So my hands are really tied and that, you know, in order for, you know, that, the, that if they look at the, the coming future, you know, it's not a good future. And, you know, just really ask him to take some time to think about what he wants the future to look like within this office space and how can he create that for himself. Well, if I may offer um, a suggestion as well, I think that you landed on the gold in that very last thing you said. Because the purpose of forgiveness, Jennifer, in this context is what? We sort of talked about it. We forgive others so we can... So that each each of them can experience their workplace as a peaceful and nice place to work. Yeah. Remember, it's about seeing the innocence in the other person and realizing nothing bad happened, right? And so we don't know... We don't know what anything is for. We don't know why those two are triggered by one another. Maybe it's karmic. Who knows? Maybe there's some projection going on but we can trust that it's for their greatest good. So with, so with, with anything, whenever we are holding a vision, and this is for you as well as the manager and uh, partner in the company, is keeping them focused on what it is they'd like to happen, how they'd like to feel. And we can do that... Um, with people that we have challenges with by focusing on what you like about them. What is it that I appreciate about them? What can I honor about them? And so perhaps there's an opportunity here for you to coach these guys in um, shifting their perspective, not focusing on what they don't like about one another, but what is it that they do like? And then have them get, like you said at the end, crystal clear on, what would you like the future to look like here? What would you like the space to be? And if we just keep the, our consciousness on that, what happens when we begin to place our attention on something? Yeah, when we place our attention on something, things begin to shift. Yeah, whatever we think about, we bring about. It's cause and effect, right? Our thoughts are creative. So what we place our attention on we experience more of. That's the law. And so to broaden the conversation now, and again, to, you know, um, I was actually talking about this in my class with Jennifer yesterday uh, because she was addressing how so many of her students are in a lot of upset and fear around in the political arena right now. And she said her experience has been that there's always been a candidate or someone that comes along that provokes the country, that says things specifically for, to get a reaction. 
And she said, but what happens when you do not react? Do they continue to do it? Eventually, the answer is no. They stop because they're not getting what they want. They're not getting uh, the response because everything they're doing is for attention. But in so doing that, um, you know, the entire, you know, there's so much attention focused on them that we're creating more on them. We're empowering them. Even if we can't, you know, even if we're not doing it consciously. It's the whole idea of the Mother Teresa quote when she said, I'm not anti-war, I'm pro-peace. So she's focusing on the peace. And so this applies in every aspect of our life, even at the office. So when, I'm, when you're coaching your employees, I strongly encourage you to really stay centered in the what is it that you'd like? What, what kind of work environment would you like? How would you like to show up, not just at work, in the office, but in your life? And <clears throat> I know that there's a lot of conflict with this person, but what are, could you write down 10 things you like about them? What are 10, find 10 things. You cannot get up from this desk until you write down 10 things you like about this person. And then they're going to begin to shift their perspective. They're going to start focusing on what is good, what is working. And that is another form of forgiveness, is we are focusing on the innocence. We're focusing on what is good. And so the um, writing on uh, attraction and resonance, a lot of metaphysical teachings are all about what are you vibrating at? What level are you vibrating at? And so like... um, Abraham Hicks, Abraham Esther Hicks, you know, uh, that's pretty much their whole platform. If you don't know who the Hicks are, the Abraham Hicks is, it's uh, Abraham is a channeled consciousness through this woman, Esther Hicks. Um, and the whole law of attraction sort of uh, 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 trend or whatever craze started there. It started with Abraham Hicks. That was their platform. And, uh, well, they made it right into the mainstream, I should say. They can't, like, start law of attraction. But they began to ask people, you know, they began to teach people to begin to allow their feeling tones to, like, get really clear on what it is that you'd like. You know, stay really focused on how you'd like to feel, the sensations that you'd like to experience, because that lifts your... Uh, vibratory frequencies and then you become um, an energetic match to more desirable a more desirable life a happy life so it's the whole thing that we've talked about many 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 times releasing the attachment to the appearance and shifting the focus on how you'd like to feel what's your heart's true desire The heart's true desire has nothing to do with the material world and everything to do with how you feel and who you perceive yourself to be. And that's what a lot of this work is, is when you release the resentments, when you're not focusing on what you don't want, what you don't like, then you're freeing yourself to focus on what you do like, what you do appreciate, what's working. And then you lift your vibrational frequency and then the... um, 
through the sort of the filter of your consciousness, your life begins to project to you what uh, Course in Miracles would call a happy dream. So who'd like to talk a little bit more? Uh, or actually, does anyone have anything else they'd like to uh, add on that conversation with Jennifer and her employees about uh, anything you'd like to add, any suggestions that you might offer in that realm. Does anyone have anything they'd like to add on the topic of shifting the focus on what you do like, what you'd like to happen, holding that vision? So, Brandon, you just wrote that um, article, that really smart article in the Huffington Post, the blog on Huffington Post, about the um, boycott on Pride and what that was really about. So, in the context of this conversation, how would you be able to stand as a uh, spiritual figure or a spiritual leader within the realm of uh, the boycott? Or, or, you know, uh, in this conversation. Um, <laughs> uh, so, in the realm of uh, radical forgiveness, um, th- I. I've been advising the the idea in, of making sure that whatever happens with the people involved in the boycott, that we consciously consider are we are we there demonstrating a better way or are we yelling and protesting and um, claiming victimization? because one's going to be more effective than the other um, and one's going to be more enjoyable than the other. (laughs) And uh, I was, I've been talking to Peter a lot, uh, who is the person who's organizing the not our pride boycott. And I'm like, baby, I know you're going hard on this, but if you're not enjoying yourself while you're doing it, then you are going to go off in the wrong direction um, and I'm not saying you have to be happy that this is going on, but you have to, you know, have peace around it. Uh, so, you know, as spiritual practitioners, I'm finding myself trying to be, um, I don't like the word neutral, but for the sake of comprehension, it's as a neutral position, even though there, in my opinion, there's a position. I'm trying to remain, I guess, open. Open is a better word. Open and create a space big enough for everyone so that they can get to final answers that feel most loving, most inclusive, most uniting. Um, we know without putting too much of my own personal stink on every situation. Is that what you're looking for? I'm I'm not sure. 
Yeah, no, I'm just, it's a conversation. So I'm actually very interested in how you're holding it or, you know, or what you're yeah. on in this regard. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, it's it's hard for me to be like too, uh, um, it's hard for me to be back of it right now because I'm like in the conversation day to day right now. But I can tell you what I'm doing. I'm literally just talking to Peter. He debriefs with me every night just so he has someone who he can feel like he can talk to without telling him what to do, but also help him work towards the most peaceful outcome. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I honestly, whenever he talks to me about specifics of the pride parade or the pride, whatever, I go back to how he's treating himself in this process because I told him, I'm like, it's going to be over in four weeks. Who are you going to want to be on the other side of it? And how are you going to want to remember it? Do you want to remember it that you lost so much sleep and it was very stressful? Or do you want to be like, oh my gosh, on the other side of this seeming struggle, it felt effortless, it felt graceful, it felt natural, and I'm energized by it because this doesn't have to be an energy-stealing concept. And I was talking with him about anger I'm like, you're, you're going to let them have their anger, obviously, because people are angry. But in a way, don't, like, I would encourage you to encourage them to pass through that, pass through that anger to courage and then to compassion and then to happiness. And so, you, you know, obviously we're not going to pretend that anger is not there because if we do, then we get the suppression that radical forgiveness is talking about. We get the repression that radical forgiveness is talking about. But we just, but we're also not going to be like we are angry. <laughs> we're going to find a way that we're that it's going to make most sense for us to see this as a mistake and not that you know our brothers and sisters forming this. LA Pride thing, they're not the enemy. You know, misinformation is the enemy, if anything. It's um, the the only thing we are opposing is, you know, just the misinformation and approaching it. Uh, we want to be able to let go as much anger as possible. Um, yeah. And, and you know, the, the disruption, I'm like, you know, he, he's very a thoughtful leader and he's really concerned about dividing and whatever and I, I'm like you don't have to confuse disruption with division right now we're just disrupted in a way that everything has to be disrupted a little bit in order for it to you know break down and become better I'm like you can't clean your bed has anyone tried to clean their bedroom without making a bigger mess first like emptying out the closets and you know cleaning out from underneath the bed and halfway through you're like oh my god I made a huge mess but that little mess is actually midway through the process. Um, so uh, if, if there's not clarity, then that's okay too. If, there, if We're just going to keep listening and uh, keep trying to move closer to each other. Mm-hmm. Beautiful. Beautiful. I think you're giving them really uh, beautiful advice. I think you're giving them really beautiful guidance. Oh, thank you. Uh, I had a great teacher. His name was Jesse. <laughs> 
Yes, and I had a great teacher. I had a couple of great teachers, and um, I really, it, uh, during the uh, Occupy Wall Street movement, you know, Venerable Dahani really changed my life because I really didn't know how to stand in what I felt was right without creating an enemy, without creating a bad guy. And she just said, we are the vision holders. And so our job is to stay firmly focused and aligned in the vision of what is possible. What is it? Again, so we go back to this. This is an overarching idea and practice, everyone, with everything. What is it that you'd like? So during this election process, what is it that you like about the candidates? Can you focus on what it is that you like and what you'd like for the country and not what you don't want what you don't like, and who is wrong. Because until you can see the perfect innocence of whatever candidate that you, quote-unquote, oppose, then you're not seeing clearly. And you're not seeing clearly. And this is, again, we're, we're having this spiritual conversation. This is a spiritual practitioner program. The reading that I read from A Course of Love last week encouraged you to stay focused on the, the true goal, which is to uh, transcend the illusion of the material world, transcend the um, illusion of separation. So that doesn't mean that, and so that means exactly what we're talking about here. We stay focused on what is it that we would like to see unfold. And it encourages us not to stay so firmly focused on making an insane world a little less insane. And that's what we do when we focus on the problem and we say, this is wrong, you're wrong, everybody's wrong, they're good, they're bad, and we're going to try to make a change right here just so this so the bad guys can't have the whatever, blah, 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 blah. It's transcending that and staying focused firmly on the vision and in the peacefulness that comes from staying aligned with our loving heart, we follow the guidance that flows naturally as a result of staying firmly focused on the vision of possibility. Does that make sense? Am I being clear? Do you see how this can be related to any relationship? Instead of focusing on what's wrong with the relationship, what's not working, what you don't like about the person, you can shift the attention. You can shift your precious, precious energy to what would you like to happen? How would you like to feel and who would you like to be? And then you release the relationship. Now, that doesn't mean that you leave the relationship. It means you release it to the Holy Spirit, so that you can begin this process of radical forgiveness and get to the space where you see the innocence in everyone involved. But that doesn't mean that you necessarily see the person every day or even maybe even have a personal or social relationship with them. You have a spiritual relationship with them, a connection with them, as one, you know, as a brother and sister, as part of you, as part of the collective. This applies to work. Like Jennifer was saying, not necessarily what you don't like about it, but what would you like to see happen? Stay focused on that and move towards that. What do you feel guided 
What guidance do you get when you stay in alignment with that vision? Is it to tear down the other person to get them fired, or is it, you know, to go forward? How are you showing up? What kind of employee are you being? What kind of partner are you being? What kind of friend are you being? What kind of community member are you being? Like Brandon suggested for to Peter, um, you know, who, uh, how are you, how do you want this to feel? How do you want this to feel? What are you working towards? What would happen? What would it look like? How differently would it look like if you were moving from a space of love versus a space of anger? And what is that love creating? And so this is why it's very, very important for us to always be 100% clear. How would I like to feel? Who would I like to be? And then create from that space. And forgiveness is the tool that we use to get us there. Because if we see obstacles and we're not seeing clearly. I'm going to open the group back, uh, group up again for eight minutes, and we'll take a break at 9.30. Let's continue this conversation. Who else would like to share about another insight they have or something that they picked up from this conversation, from the shares today? What would you like to contribute today to the conversation of forgiveness? Hello, this is Soki. Hi, Soki. Yes, uh, contemplating on uh, radical forgiveness. Radical beyond the box is revolutionary. And forgiveness, I always, when I write forgiveness, I always write for, dash, given, dash, E-S-S. Everything that happens in my life is already given. There's a blueprint. So everything that I... Need along my journey is bound to happen for my own soul's revolution. That's why I'm, I always, I like to like forgiveness. It's already given. Just like Abraham Hicks is saying, everything is given and all I need to do is to align myself to my VASE, vibrational alignment to my source energy. So when talking about radical forgiveness, there's nothing to forgive. Everything is bound to happen like the fallen leaf. And I'm not surprised why I met you in my journey. That small thing in the office that made me so sad and angry made me to look for something. That small LQ that I had pushed me to look for project service. That's why I found you guys. And I'm not surprised that I found you. I'm bound to journey with you. And from that day on, since that first Sunday in January last year when I met you, everything has changed because I am in a company of uh, like-minded souls and individuals who helped me see what I need to see. And now I'm so grateful that I have this forgivenness. 
spoon to help me align myself with my source energy and feel the vibration of what I desire in my life. Because as what Ernest Holmes has said, the infinite source is in me. Creative source, power and energy is already in me and all I need to do is to feel it and feel the, my desired reality. So I'm glad to be in this spiritual community and it's not also an accident that I met you and I'm getting married and I want to celebrate my special day with you guys. Thank you. <laughs> Beautiful, yes. Remember, it's always what we, um, you know, that whole idea, what we think about, we bring about. But it's what we focus on, we experience more of. What we focus on, we experience more of. So, if the purpose of forgiveness is to support us in seeing the innocence of our brothers and sisters, and if we're focusing on the innocence of our brothers and sisters, how are they going to show up in our perspective? This is why we talk about projection. If we have any judgment other than they are perfect children of God, then we are not seeing them correctly. We are not seeing them correctly. Now, Sometimes the most loving thing like to do for a child of God is to say, no, honey, no. You're hurting yourself and you're hurting other people. It's like when a child is running with scissors. You don't just let them do it. As a loving adult, someone with perspective, you have them stop. You take the scissors away. And sometimes that looks like in the um, realm that we are participating in, as we hold the vision for a world united, sometimes we have to say to our elected officials, no, that's not loving. You're, you're going to hurt yourself and other people. So we're going to stand in love and say no. It doesn't just mean we, you know, get spiritual about stuff and don't do anything. Of course, of course. If you feel, as you, as you can contemplate the vision of what is possible, if you feel love to take a stand, a solid stand in love and say no, then you do it. But, of course, we just suggest get really clean before you do. It's like that conversation we had earlier. You know, are you, like on, even on Facebook and social media and stuff, are you posting with intention or are you posting for attention? Who else would like to share? Would anyone like to share like a big miracle? Like what is the biggest miracle that has transpired for you as a result of practicing forgiveness. Who would like to share? Uh, take us to break on an awesome demonstration.
Mark, would you like to share a miracle moment? Okay. Um, so let me think. I mean, last week I I, I kind of shared with the group um, having a pretty profound experience writing the forgiveness letter to myself. Um, I felt that was very um, pivotal um, or a pivoting moment for me of, you know, really letting go of, uh, of the attachment to um, a vision of what I was thinking my life uh, was supposed to be. Um, and really coming back to this, this acceptance um, of what is, of, of being with what is and being in gratitude for that and um, releasing, um, almost like releasing the uh, perceived expectation of, of how the path is meant to unfold. Uh, so for me, I, I you know, that, that for me has been really big these last couple of weeks of just being present as I'm on the road now and, um, you know, every day my schedule is, is very, very predicted and very scheduled out. I'm really trying to be in the space of, uh, we talked about that this past Tuesday, which is kind of being really curious, uh, like a, with adventure, uh, you know, welcoming whatever shows up, however my schedule changes, whatever challenges may come up in my journeys over these couple of weeks, and uh, really welcome it with acceptance and um, be curious for the adventure and experience it as an adventure rather than trying to remold it back into some form that I think it was supposed to be. Um, so for me, this has really been a, been a great journey and an opportunity to put into practice something I just had a pretty big insight with um, from the uh, forgiveness letter I had done last week. So um, that for me is, is, is pretty big and, you know, I'm excited to be in the throes of that at the moment. Love it. Beautiful. Really beautiful. It works when you work it. All right, everyone. Let's take, uh, it's 9.32. Um I'm going to give you a little extra time today. Uh, so I'll see you back here in eight minutes, 9.40, 9.40, okay? And then we'll, um, uh, we're going to go over some of the forgiveness letters. All right.
All right, we are back. Are you there with me? I'm here. Silky, right. yeah. I'm here. Cool. I'm here. Okay. So, who on this call can tell me what metaphysics is? The most simple definition. Because we're talking about, you know, this being a metaphysical, certain metaphysical philosophies and things like that. Hello, this is Sophie. Uh, For me, it's uh, beyond physical, spiritual. Yep, that's it. That's all I wanted. Beyond the physical. Beyond the physical, metaphysics, beyond the physical. So it's, you know, it's, I mean, the actual definition, it's sort of hard to define because there's sort of different perspectives, but it's beyond the physical, physical realm, beyond the body. Um, and uh, it'd be, uh, in fact, I think it might be part of our homework this week. We'll have a little of everyone research metaphysics and write uh, a paragraph on it in the Facebook group. Uh, Something interesting that you didn't know about metaphysics or some new information. But um, I just wanted to address the idea, um, and I I don't know how this popped up on my Facebook feed, but it was like an old post from Jacob Glass. And... uh, (laughs) I'm going to read it as is. He swears in it, so I, I'm just going to let you know that this is a Jacob Glass posting, so there is swearing in it. <coughs> from November 2015. Please don't ever write to me that you looked up some symptom in Louise's in Louise Hayes' book, and it means such and such because I've been telling everyone for 10 years that it is utter horseshit and is meta, <laughs> metaphysical malpractice. It's almost always incorrect and does nothing but blame the patient or family instead of just reprogramming the GPS and getting back into alignment with source. Joel Goldsmith and Mary Baker Eddy write volumes about how harmful the practice of this tying physical illness to a particular thought. So he's referring to Louise Hayes' book, uh, You Can Heal Your Life, and how there's sort of a glossary of symptoms and in specific things that create the symptoms. And uh, I'm actually sort of, I sort of agree with Jacob, though I would have a much more probably a gentle way of sharing this information. So I always get such a kick out of Jacob. I think he's pretty funny. And, um, but this this, uh, belief that specific things cause specific like physical ailments in some capacity. Now, our body is an extension of the mind. And so oftentimes, if there is something that occurs within the body, it's for us. Remember, everything's for our greatest good. And so the question is not, why is this happening? The question is always, what is this for? What is this for? And as we work on that line of inquiry by enrolling our spiritual consciousness, our the Holy Spirit, into the 
to, to be our guide through this, we ask, what is this for? What is this for? And we do our work, we quiet our mind, and then we take the most peaceful approach to solution if we feel drawn to do so. And so Muriel, um, which most, most of you know who Muriel is, Reverend Muriel, she was, shared about her experience of moving through, the, uh, through breast cancer. And she said um, she really wanted to work on it at the level of the mind, but she felt so much fear arising about leaving her husband and her daughter behind that she knew the most peaceful approach for her in that moment at that time was to do chemotherapy and continue to do this, the work. So at that time, the most peaceful thing she could do is do chemotherapy and continue to ask, what is this for? What is this for? Um, I think we spend so much time in the why, in the why is this happening? You know, what does it mean? When the question is always, what is it for? What is this for? What is this for? And we quiet our mind and we continue to go forward. And so, so many of the situations and circumstances that arise in our life, when there's upset or feelings of discomfort, we can begin to discipline ourselves enough to release the uh, habit of reacting and begin to really go into the process of inquiry. Of what is this for? Something does not feel right. I'm going to take a moment to align with my loving heart because in love, all things are possible. But really, that's just not airy-fairy spiritual bullshit anymore, guys. Like, this is truly... Um, a way of life. And many intellectuals might roll their eyes at that notion, but that's okay. <laughs> what is the most loving thing I can do? What would love do here? Because that is the path to freedom. That is releasing the illusion instead of making it a little less crazy. What would love do? That's our GPS system. That's handing it over to source. So we invite everyone, actually, before we go into uh, a letter, a forgiveness letter from the group, um, I'd like you to open Radical Forgiveness to Chapter 5, to the Radical Forgiveness Therapy. So it sort of talks about the difference between therapy and radical forgiveness therapy, which really is just spiritual counseling. And we're not going to get too deep into this chapter. Um, So if you would turn to uh, page 80. Page 80 in radical forgiveness. And read along with me. I'm going to start at the bottom of page 80, the last paragraph. And he's referring to Jill, his sister. Remember Jill's story, that first chapter of the book that we, uh, that we all read and sort of the process that he took with her. And you break it down a little bit to show how and where he um, implemented radical forgiveness therapy. And I'm sharing this because this is something to consider as you uh, begin to see 
spiritual counseling clients, which you will do after next module. So, um, all right, so read along with me. You might recall that in the beginning of the story with Jill, I acted out of an implicit agreement with her that she really did have a problem, that Jeff was the basic cause of it, and that the only way to react to it was by trying to find a solution. For quite some time, I went down this traditional road with her. Only when I thought the time was right did I suggest a different radical forgiveness approach. At that point, I had to make it very clear to her that I was shifting the conversation in an entirely different direction and using an alternate, an alternate set of assumptions. So that is actually a very important thing that he just mentioned there. So he's talking about how is he working with someone that does not share the same philosophical beliefs as himself. So this is that idea of how am I implementing, sort of like what um, Brandon is was supporting Peter in, though Peter I know is open to a spiritual conversation because he comes to inspire and uh, is in, I've, I've had conversations with him as well and I know that he's really feeling called to pursue that. But still, as we sort of um, create the space, the, the container to do this work, sometimes it has to be a slower process because other people are either new to the work or aren't familiar with it at all, but if they've enrolled the support of a spiritual counselor, unless they're very much confused, uh, you have to feel free to use spiritual tools. But how do we apply this to conversations and situations in our day-to-day life? So we had to make it clear that he, he had been going down the traditional path of therapy, which was finding and addressing the problem. Now he says, I'm going to shift the conversation. Are you willing to allow me to do that? And the questions were, uh, the assumptions were that he's operating from, and these are the assumptions um, that we use when in spiritual counseling. What is perfect about what is occurring for her? So we trust that whatever is unfolding is for her greatest good, for the patient's greatest good. We can use the same assumption in our life. So again, what is perfect about what is occurring for her? How is this perfection being revealed? How can she shift her viewpoint in order to accept that there might be a certain perfection in her situation? So he's guiding her to shift her perception, shift her perception. I can assure you that Jill's original perception of the situation with Jeff and of all prior situations with her previous husband certainly did not agree with the idea of everything being perfect. Indeed, she felt that what, was, that what had occurred was self-evidently wrong or bad. Most people would have agreed with her. But as we saw, the healing occurred for her only when she realized that, in fact, there was no right or wrong in any of the situations, that she was clearly not being victimized by anyone, and that, far from being her enemy, Jeff was her healing angel. She slowly began to see how, in, at every moment, divine guidance was helping her to heal an earlier misperception and related false belief system uh, that, for years, had prevented her from expressing her true self. Each situation, including what was happening with Jeff, was, on that basis, a gift of grace. 
screen upon us there. Um, so let's go back to page 81 and just look at those three assumptions in the middle of the page. What is perfect about what is occurring for her? How is this perfection being revealed? How can she shift her viewpoint in order to accept that there might be a certain perfection in her situation? So this is another, it's like adding on, adding a tool to the toolbox. It's like um, the Byron Katie work, which we're going to go back around and revisit starting next week. It's like adding this to the Byron Katie work. So the Byron Katie work is, a, you know, the Byron Katie work really is designed to support us in seeing where we're projecting our thoughts, our beliefs onto other people. And making a shift so that we can take full responsibility and see that we're believing something that isn't necessarily true. And in a way, radical forgiveness technique is very much in aligned with the Byron Katie work. It's all one thing anyway, because this is sort of uh, another level of that work. Taking it to the spiritual, uh, even more spiritual, I think the Byron Katie work is very non-secular, but taking it to the spiritual realm of playing with the idea of divine contracts, of spiritual, you know, of uh, soulmates that are supporting us here. So it's just all about shifting perception. Everything we do to allow more grace to flow through our experiences and our experiences, just shifting our perception, shifting our perception, shifting our perception, releasing the judgments, cutting the cords to judgment and opinion, so we can be free from all of that. We can give ourselves the space to realign our thoughts and feelings with what it is that we'd like to experience. So by releasing the habits of taking things personally, of placing blame, releasing shame, regret, resentment, so all those things that we place on the holy altar in the God's Prayer, so we can allow the natural, and what's great is, you know, when we keep ourselves focused doing this work, it's like we don't even have to focus too much on who we are, what we'd like to feel like. It begins to come up naturally. How wonderful. So does anyone have any questions or thoughts on um, on that process? Uh, involving wrapping and folding in these three assumptions into the process of inquiry. These are just three things that we keep in mind as we listen to our clients. What's the perfection in this? What is the perfection in this? All right. Okay, so um, Jennifer and Mark read their forgiveness letters two weeks ago, and it was really beautiful. Uh, and um, I'd like to open up the group to see um, uh, who'd like to share their letter today.
feel like I've been dialoguing a lot with you today, Brandon, but for some reason I just feel, maybe I don't know why, this is my orb, but I feel called to invite you to share if you feel comfortable doing so. Sure. Yeah, I, I, I don't have a problem. I just didn't want to monopolize the class, but no problem. All right. My intention. <clears throat> My intention in writing this letter. Oh, so um, I guess the last time you had us kind of just talk about what we're doing. Um, I remember I would do this right after class, right after you assigned it, and I was, I had, um, I was coming out of a very um, big transition at work, and, um, you know, I felt like my life had gotten big, but not in the way that I wanted it to. Um, I felt like the bigness of my job was was starting to take joy away from my life and leaving me like not available to actually <laughs> have relationships of any kind. <clears throat> so I think that kind of um, had me on the defense and kind of had me beating up myself in that moment. So that's where I'm coming from. Uh, so my intention in writing this letter is to unblock any anger I have for myself. I feel angry that I was impatient with finances and also allowed finances to affect my peace of mind. I'm angry when I obsess over romance and become insistent, uh, excuse me, and become inconsistent in what I'm wanting. I feel angry when I think I don't have the clarity to find a more, compa- uh, more passionate route for my career. I feel afraid that I have built a life so big in my mind, yet so small on the outside, that I will fail at things I didn't want all along anyway and never find work that feels passionate. I feel afraid when I think of working at a rehab long term. I feel afraid that I am becoming increasingly more incompatible with men, excuse me, that I will not find a person that I will, that I will feel long-term happiness with. I feel hurt that my money was lost by two institutions. I feel hurt that I was finally managing money well and I got burned and that nothing I've been able to do can fix it. I feel hurt that many of the men I have dated in the past and present and still interested in getting to know have not ignored or rejected me, but seem to just disappear, not physically, but as if we never made contact. Not good, not bad, just indifferent. I feel sad that I am not passionate about my work or what I am doing. I feel sad that I am not passionate about anyone in particular. And I feel sad that I may end up living a mediocre life, trying to pay bills, get a home, work a nine-to-five, and never feeling as if I sunk into the spirit of what I came here to do. I feel sad that I feel something in the ethers, an assignment of sorts, but nothing is clear enough for me to make a move. I accept that I have needed to find stability in order to grow. I accept that I am taking time to get clearer and clearer and remain open. I accept that I am en route, that everything, everything I have and will go through become assets for the way in which I can relay truth and remain in happiness for greater periods of time. 
The deep desire in my heart now is to feel powerful love and joy, to join with others in a great mission, to create and teach and make bold moves, to shake the earth and heal my world. What I'm doing to support myself now is to not let my heart close. I dismiss absurd, uh, I dismiss absurd thoughts that pull me down. I meditate daily and let myself off the hook. What I'm asking you, myself, for now is to take more time to pause and open up. I ask myself for more quiet moments, not alone moments, but quiet moments, when I can sit idly by and watch the thoughts come and go. And if there are emotions that arise, I can be quiet enough to lean away from the ones that feel destructive and toward the ones that feel creative. What I'm asking for help with from you, myself, the universe now, is to reveal to me the areas left unhealed and the wisdom to let the healing pass over me. I'm grateful that I have interest in becoming more and more aware. I'm grateful that I don't get thrown off as easily as I once did. I'm grateful I have the power to choose how I feel. My loving and powerful intention going forward is to be blissful more and more each day to be light and powerful, to be unshakable, and to be of maximum use to God and God's children. The end. Beautiful. Really beautiful. What I find interesting in reading, um, when I hear people in reading your forgiveness letters and hearing it read out loud, is how... um, how many times I've had similar experiences as so many of you and how many of the challenges um, that make you feel angry and upset uh, and sad are the same ones that I've had. And it's as if, you know, all the thoughts are just recycled. (laughs) And it made me think, it made me realize, well, they are all recycled. (laughs) If we're one mind, then all that stuff is there too. And so I, you know, that leads you to contemplate, well, how do, you know, the masters transcend that? And it's through the work that we do here. Um, it's by learning how not to believe the thoughts, to attach to them, just like Byron Katie says. Really beautiful work, Brandon. So great and um, so uh, just authentic. And um, I really love following the journey. It's sort sort of like that, uh, sort of like an odyssey within your (laughs) forgiveness letter. Uh Uh-huh. Because it felt like it ended with so much clarity. Uh, What was the experience like for you? It's funny, uh, especially like with experience with Byron Katie's The Work and um, the inventory process and the 12 steps. Um, it's like as soon as I think of the problem, like I know what the truth is. Like the truth is like literally just around the corner and I just have to muster enough energy to go look at that as opposed to going staying with my um, thinking. Uh, but, you know, it was uh, – it was – Let's see. Well, fi- well, you know, a lot of times, especially putting things down in black and white, you're like, oh, my God, 
calm down. <laughs> it's like um, the things in your my head that, you know, obviously feel like the life is not worth living are just really steps. Um, and I can see how, like, you know, and if I just take a moment to look back, like where I was a couple of years ago, what I, how I was reacting to situations, what I was doing, um, the things that I was like, oh my God, I can't believe I'm doing this for a living or whatever, that everything was like, and the, like not trying to be cliche, but everything was literally leading me not to me having like this, the awesome career and the awesome boyfriend, but to being as useful as possible <laughs> to people in my life. And so when you were talking about how you've had, it's funny when you hear these experiences, I'm like, yeah, of course you have because you're a teacher. So it's like you you had to have these useful, these experiences to make you as useful as possible <laughs> to us. Because <laughs> if you didn't have these experiences, you'd be like, cool, that was sweet. Next. Um, so, you know, sometimes that's all I can, like, look forward to is that, oh, my God, this weird feeling that I have. And a lot of times it's not the deep sorrow or sadness. Um, sometimes it's just, like, the blasé that's really destructive for me. Um, you know, and I have been going through that more, like, that I'm, like, I'm bored. I'm, this is... Um, it's not worth it because it's not exciting or fun. Sometimes that's really overwhelming. And, uh, you know, I, I don't know if it was around this forgiveness letter or a little, a couple, like a week after, <laughs> but I finally admitted to myself that I felt lonely, like for a long time, like I wasn't, you know, I, and I was grieving that. And that not only did I feel lonely, but I was also grieving that I no longer was the person who didn't get lonely. So it was weird. Um, it was a weird, it's been a weird couple of weeks and I'm still kind of in it. Um, uh, but, and, and I like, you know, the universe is really aligning for me to be in it because like all my like closest friends are like out of town or, um, on projects and stuff like that. So, and I'm, there's like no romantic interest in my life. So it's requiring me to, you know, actually be alone and figure out how in that um, I don't stay in loneliness. So, um, yeah, which is, which is a fun, and which is a fun little adorable feeling for me to have right now. <laughs> A fun little adorable feeling. <laughs> yeah. <clears throat> yeah. Well, I really loved how um, how raw it was, how, how authentic it was. And uh, it's not easy to share some of those feelings, you know. Uh, mm-hmm. Especially, um, I, I find, especially in the spiritual community, because we all want to, you know, if one, uh, for the new new practitioners often, because they're afraid that, they're going to manifest some awful experience that they admit that they're having, you know, thoughts that aren't loving, which is crazy. Yeah. You know, 
and uh, two, because we want to feel as though like this, that the, the work is working, like we're somehow failing if we're not, if we're not blissed out. Again, bullshit. So we, uh, it's really great to just be really in touch with those experiences because it's really good to know them. It's good to see them. It's good to recognize them, and um, and in so doing, having these conversations, they become less and less powerful if we share them, especially if we share them with our uh, mighty companions in this capacity. So let's take a couple minutes, uh, just a couple minutes, and people um, in the group, feel free to uh, give Brandon any feedback or thoughts. Not feedback. It's not like we're... (laughs) I would have definitely (laughs) spent a little more time in the sad category. Um, (laughs) But any thoughts for Brandon? (laughs) You left him speechless, Brandon. <laughs> um, they're all they're they're deeply judging you right now, which is why they have nothing to say. They have nothing to say to you. That feels um, right. Yeah. So you know what, um, Brandon has inspired me to uh, do a little activity. So uh, we're going to do a little puja, a public puja, and. So I'm going to invite everyone to just can pretend that there's, uh, uh, like maybe we're back at Joshua Tree Retreat Center. We're around the fire. And we're going to go around and we're going to throw in whatever some of the fears or um, unloving thoughts that you're kind of, that are coming up in your life today are. And we're just going to throw them in the puja so we can just release them. And then after everybody goes around, we'll share what we're going to, uh, what else we're going to put in the puja as far as what are we sending up to the divine to support us in and manifest as our experience. So since it was my idea, I'll go first. <laughs> the precedent. I'll be very uh, transparent here. Uh, I'm going to throw in, I've had... Uh, experiences lately and it really hit me yesterday uh when i i don't know how it popped up but somebody sent me a link of a of a of a television show interview i did from a few years back and i looked at myself and i was just thinking oh my god i look so young and good and i really had this moment of feeling like i'm getting older and i'm not beautiful anymore and then I had some real deep regret because even when I was young and beautiful, I didn't enjoy it because I didn't know that I was beautiful uh, physically on the physical plane. And so I uh, just had this moment of, one, it taught me, wow, we really are crazy. And two, um, I just had this regret. Uh, I'm also having some... Um, you know, some thoughts around money and about like, oh my God... How, hard, how much more, how much longer am I going to have to work before, you know, the Inspire investment really pays off and I can get on a really good salary and um, not have to stress out. And so some age stuff too, like I thought I should be at a different place at this age. And so I don't, 
I give myself the privilege of honoring what I've accomplished. I've just been really focusing on what I don't have. Um, and also a little funk around like, uh, uh, you know, we're in the adopt, foster to adopt process right now. And so just, um, I don't have many fears around having a baby, but my husband does and I'm resenting him because he does. Uh, and it's the same conversation, so it's like mostly financial, and it's just like blah, blah, blah. So we're just going to throw all of that into the puja. I'm releasing it. I'm freeing myself from it and cleansing myself from my judgments around getting older, my judgments around money, my fear around the kid and my husband, resentment, throwing it all in the fire. Ah, it feels good to say that out loud and get it out, so... Who would like to go next? I'll go with Brandon. Um, Into the fire, I'm putting expectations of what my friends should do, how they should show up. I'm putting into the fire any expectations around romance, around career, around performance for myself around what opportunities should be coming to me and putting in the fire any expectations around how I can enjoy my day-to-day life and how I can be at peace and what do I, any expectations around what I need to be happy, to really be happy, not to feel exhilarated and, you know, emotionally high, but to just really be happy and peaceful on a moment-by-moment basis. I throw all those expectations in there and I take out openness. The openness Hold on, we're not, taking, we're not taking anything out yet. You just oh. get, don't get ahead of, Why don't you throw in that fire getting ahead of yourself too, okay? Okay, I throw in the fire <laughs> getting ahead of myself. <laughs> And my anger towards Jesse for calling me <laughs> for, for publicly shaming you. Um, for publicly shaming. <laughs> All right, who's next? Ellie, what about you? What are you throwing in the fire? Whew, that's a that's a loaded one. Um, well, I I had to do. So I'm trying to pursue. At being an actress, and I'm older, I'm in my 30s, and um, it's just really weighing on, yes, it's weighing on my, like, that belief that I have, that, I'm, that I haven't done anything with my life, and here I am now, in my, I'm 37, and I'm at doing hours and extra work late. I'm doing extra work. I'm like surrounded by these like really young people who are just kind of getting started in the business, just trying to make a dollar. And here I am, 37, sitting doing extra work. And I'm like, are you freaking kidding? I don't know. It, it's just, so just, am I ever going to get past this point? Am I wasting my time? Should I? Folk, is, is this really my true passion? Is there something else that I'm, you know, should be focusing on? Should I be going back to school instead? You know, going to study psychology? Kind of, more, I don't, I don't know. I, I just, I guess the uncertainty of what to do 
with my career path, the uncertainty of is this truly what where my soul passion lies or am I holding on to something from my childhood trying to prove something or is this my true passion I guess and accepting that this is where I am in my life and not being okay with it beautiful to throw it on in the fire it's in there all right (laughs) add a girl add a girl Jen how about you Jen O'Brien. Are you on mute, honey? Maybe she's not there. Okay. Silky, what are you putting in the fire? Hi. um, I actually... I'm putting in the fire the fears that my fiancé is <laughs> trying to affect me. But I'm trying not to be affected because all her fears are coming from the material things that she's, she has. Well, in fact, I don't have anything material. So, so we are in the process of prenup. And all her trust and prenup. I'm trying to help her finish everything. So she will have no fear uh, applying for our marriage license and our wedding. And uh, in the process, I just feel I'm very fortunate because I'm happy. (laughs) Not being attached to any house, to any car, to any material thing. Because all I have is the love that I feel for her. So I don't know if I'm allowed to put in the fire her fears because that is her business, not mine. I can see clearly that it's not my business, but it's her business. And I know that it's coming from uh, her responsibility over her special sister who is living with us, a 75-year-old schizophrenic sister who has, who, who is like a baby. Just nothing. That's why all her resources, her car, her, her her 401k, her insurance, all her money in the bank should be named to that sister. And she's, she needs to find a trustee because when she dies, everything will go to that sister. Which, in the process, I felt, I'm glad, I'm happy because I don't have a car, I don't have a house, I don't. <laughs> okay, so you're so, so you're know. throwing in what are you th- what are you specifically throwing in? You're throwing in <clears throat> any being uh <clears throat> any uh fear around the marriage or around the prenup and any judgments that you have on Carmela? Yes. So that Great. everything will be it will be done with ease and joy, ease and grace. Great. So any any funk around the the wedding and the marriage, we're throwing in the fire. Love it. Yes. Great. Sorry about Beautiful. That. <laughs> All right. Martha, how about you? 
No, Martha? How about you, Mark? I'll uh, I'll throw into the fire the uh, barrage of guilt-ridden text messages my mother's been sending me since we've been on the call, knowing <laughs> that it is all perfect and for my good and know that I will respond in love. Beautiful. Beautiful. So you're just throwing your mom in the fire. <laughs> Mark's, Mark's making a, a spiritual sacrifice of his mother today. <laughs> an offering. An offering at the altar. <laughs> Beautiful. All right. So, Jen, Jennifer, are you back on the call? Can you... Uh, I guess she's not. It, I guess. it was me. Oh, it was Martha. Okay, Martha, yeah. what what are you throwing in the fire? <laughs> um, my mind seems to be really in a thousand little pieces right now that nothing's gelling. This is the third time that I pressed, um, I hung up on the phone unintentionally, so obviously I'm not centered at this moment. Um, I think I'll throw in my... Do you want to throw that in the fire? <laughs> that and just stuff about the practitioner program, things that you want that are part of the practitioner program that I'm still not comfortable with or feel that I'm not interested in doing mm-hmm. um, and would like to be excused from doing. So whatever that is, I'm just throwing it in there because obviously it's still in my head. But mostly it's the whole being disconnect at this time, whatever that is. Um mm-hmm. Because I feel like I'm just not getting it, particularly this book for some reason. So I feel like I'm falling behind, and I feel like I'm trying to catch up to something. So whatever mm-hmm. this is, I'm throwing it in the fire. Beautiful. Love it. A lot of that's judgment. Just judgment. It's all good. Good. Well, I love that we're doing this. And so now it's time to, uh, what are we going to place in the fire and Send the, the smoke from the fire is a message uh, is a like sending a message to the divine. So I am going to place my intention of feeling staying peaceful and open and centered and continuing to just feel free. Yes, yes, Brandon. Am I taking out now? Uh-huh. <laughs> I am taking out my openness to let things unfold in the highest possible way that God has planned. Beautiful. Toki? Oh, Ellie? <clears throat> yeah? What are you taking out? What are you, what are you uh, taking with you? So, like, I brought openness and peace and freedom. What is it that I, after releasing I, that stuff, what are you going to take with you? Acceptance, peace. Yes, great. Acceptance and peace, beautiful. Soki? Uh, I brought in fear. Now I'm taking out love because the only real thing is love. Yes. Beautiful. And Mark? Patience. Beautiful. Patience. Love it. And Martha? 
I'm taking patience, compassion, and love. Beautiful, beautiful. Patience, compassion, and love. Well, since we're around the sacred fire, I will continue with a prayer and just say thank you, God, for this time to release that which no longer serves us, to embrace that which has always been, to allow more love to pour forth through each and every one of our lives, knowing that where we are, God is, that we are perfectly innocent, that we are children of the divine, and all of the spiritual qualities of God are pre-installed within each and every one of us. We know this to be true. We share all the love, all the light to those. In fact, we dedicate the healing. We allow the healing smoke from the puja to go towards and create a loving cloud above anyone who feels alone and afraid and confused and lost. We just shower them with love and light. And we're grateful to do so. And so it is. Amen. Amen. So before we hang up, y'all, the last... um, Let me see this. We're going to actually be like... uh, Uh, we're going to just uh, be doing mostly just uh, pulling from um, different parts of radical forgiveness now, um, and looking at some of the tool and st- some of the stuff in the tool section. But we're not going to do too much uh, reading, um, uh, like chapter reading anymore, uh, except for this will be the last, uh, the last. Uh, time, and we're just going to, and it's kind of, in a sense, review. So, uh, uh, you're going to read chapter 10, which is, hold on, nope, sorry, I lied. You're going to read chapters 9, cause and effect, and chapters 11, chapter 9 and chapter 11. And uh, and maybe uh, let's do a paragraph or a few sentences at least on each in the Facebook group. I really like that approach because then it gives everybody the opportunity to see it and comment on it and it supports other people in writing theirs as well. So I invite you to really uh, be interactive with that. So chapter 9 and chapter 11 in Radical Forgiveness this week. Um, and also to post in the Facebook group as well, um, I'm going to invite everyone to research metaphysics, metaphysics, and then share three facts or new things that you've learned about metaphysics in the Facebook group. Three facts or new things that you've learned about about metaphysics in the Facebook groups based on your research. So. Chapters 9, chapters 11, a paragraph on each or more in the Facebook group, and three uh, facts or new things you've learned about metaphysics in the Facebook group. Cool? All right. I'll send an email with that information out to you. I love you all. Many blessings. Have a beautiful rest of your Saturday, and I look forward to seeing some of you tomorrow. Peace and love, y'all.
Bye. Bye. Love you all. Bye.
It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, avoid, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.